and I'm sure you do too. It feels like I'm in a different place. It just looks nice. So thank you, John and Jared and Derek and and Jory and Mike and Jeremy and thanks for doing the heavy lifting on this. We're going to continue our summer in Psalms, our study in Psalms, and you know I'm a little embarrassed. I can't even remember what Aaron's calling it. Um, we're in Psalms this summer. How's that? It's kind of like the connection card or the comeback card or the whatever card. It's whatever. Whoever's up here and whatever they call it, that's what it is. And so we're at our summer in Psalms. And since I'm up here, that's what it is. Uh, we're in Psalm 34 this morning. And, and just so you know, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the chapter. And then I'm going to go back and look at where David was when he wrote it. And then we're going to come back to Psalm 34 and we're going to take a brisk walk um, through there. Uh, kind of take some phrases, work our way through that, and uh, wrap up. Um, hopefully there's enough application throughout, but then wrap up with a touch more and go from there. So if you have your Bible and you would turn to Psalm 34... And you can follow along. Psalm, if you open it, it should just kind of fall open. And if it's on your phone or a device, I have no idea. Um, it won't just fall open. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. As you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find 
some headings before the chapter. It kind of gives you a piece of insight, a little insight as to what was going on, when it was written, or what it was for, or when it was to be sung, or how it was supposed to be done. And, and as you read, probably in most of your Bibles, as you see what is right under the 34, it says, oh, this was written by David after meeting Abimelech. Well, if you go back to 1 Samuel, we get introduced to King David, to the boy David. We get introduced to David in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. And the prophet Samuel shows up at their home, and I'm guessing when Samuel showed up at your house, it was disconcerting. I've heard people say, well, that makes me nervous when the pastor comes over. You go, what do we serve? What do we do? How do we act? What do you just be yourself. Um, when the prophet Samuel shows up, I'm guessing Jesse was sweating bullets. Oh, man, what did we, what, which one of the boys did what? And he comes to anoint David. Now, Samuel didn't know who was getting the nod, but David is the last one. You have to read it. 1 Samuel 16. And David, 10, 12 years old, gets called in and probably doesn't even know what's happening for sure. He just knows this old guy, Samuel, that we're kind of all scared of is dumping oil on my head, and now he's gone. And as you read further, it's maybe... Four years later, and David is 16, 17, 18, not old enough to be conscripted into the king's army, but his brothers are, and he's sent to the battlefield to bring them lunch or to bring them a, a bunch of food, I don't know, to bring them food. And that's where he sees Goliath boasting and bla about himself and blaspheming against the God of Israel. And he says, why isn't anybody doing anything? And they all looked at him, shut up, kid, give us our lunch and go home. And David meets Goliath, and, and maybe you know the story, maybe you don't. You can read about it in Second King, or First Samuel, First Samuel 17. And he kills Goliath, and he goes to Goliath, and he takes Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. It was mentioned here a couple of weeks ago. That's, that's the part of the story that gets left out in Sunday school most of the time. But he cuts off Goliath's head and takes that sword and his head and brings it to the tent of Saul, throws it at his feet, says, there you go, bud. I got sheep. And he goes home, and then Saul calls him back, and he becomes his person musician because Saul's living, because of disobedience, he's living with a lot of anxiety and I can't sleep and I got all these things to worry about. Oh, the, the music soothes me. Until everybody, and, and David, David has gone viral at this point. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody's watching his TikToks and, uh, or whatever. And, and everybody knows David. And Saul is jealous and paranoid and tries to kill him and and, and David runs away and he escapes. And in chapter 20, and it strikes me over the past couple weeks, and I've just laughed about it every time. Only an 18-year-old kid who has just killed Goliath within the last year, few months, would show up in Goliath's hometown 
with his sword and go to the king and say, can I hang out here because Saul is really mad at me? What part of that entire transaction doesn't make sense? All of it. Right? Well, maybe they forgot. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they won't recognize Goliath's own sword. It's his hometown. Why there of all places? I don't have an answer. He's young and dumb. I'm old and dumb. He's young and dumb. You know how that works. There's just some things you don't think out. You don't have the experience or you just clueless. And Abimelech, it's King Akish. Uh, in, in Psalm 34, it says Abimelech, and there might be those that say, oh, there's a contradiction in Scripture here. And Abimelech, think of that as a title. You know, Pharaoh is a title. Caesar is a title. Abimelech was a Philistine title. And so Abimelech, Akish, you're David. You killed our guy. You've made our lives infinitely more difficult, and you want to hang out here. And somewhere in that conversation, I think David realizes the flaws in his thinking as he sees the demeanor of Achish turn, and he realizes he's going to do the work of Saul for him. I'm dead. And so suddenly, in, what do I do? Where do I turn? How do I get away? And he begins to play the fool, the crazy man, the wild man. He begins to, to, to yell and jump around. And he lets the drool and the spit run down in his beard, which in this culture, in this time, you don't mess with the beard, man. I see Dan over here. You don't mess with the beard, right? And he's letting it, it, it just a sign of dishonor. You would guard that and protect that and and. He's letting the drool and he's scratching on the posts and writing on it and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And Akish looks at him and he looks around at his guys and he's like, don't I have enough goofy, crazy people around me already? Why do we want him here? Get him out of here. And so they let David go and with that, we get to chapter 22 and David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers and his father's house, when his brothers and all of his father's house heard of it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. He became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. In some translations, it says there gathered a bunch of desperate men around him. It reminds me of Judges 11 and 12 in the story of Jephthah. And when you read everyone in distress, everyone in debt, everyone who is bitter in soul, these are not the high end of society. These are outlaws and outcasts. They're not welcome anywhere. And maybe it's their fault and their choices. And maybe it's just the way life has gone. It's not David's fault that the king is insanely jealous and paranoid and trying to kill him. But that's where he finds himself. Many of these folks 
Maybe they're in distress, not by their choosing, but by others. If they're in debt, you know, they're in desperate places. And they gather around David. And in David, they find a leader of men. And also one who is shepherding their souls. And that's why he writes this psalm in Psalm 34 for these guys that are around him. For these men who are desperate, who are in debt, who are bitter in soul. Who are probably far from God. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2, is he's teaching these guys what it means to worship and fear God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. He's got 400 men. who are desperate, who have nowhere to go. And David is telling them, I will bless the Lord at all times. Your life isn't so terrible that you can't bless the Lord for his provision. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Now, there's probably a lot of pride in that group of individuals What they have, they have because they had to take it and fight to hold it. And David is encouraging them to humble themselves, to find their hope, to find their boast in the Lord, not their strength, not their abilities. Verses 3 through 7, O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This isn't my thing alone. Let's do this together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Remember, he's just coming from Achish where he played the fool. He humiliated himself. God saved him from there, but he didn't save his pride in the process. I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. We become radiant when we seek God. And it's not because... I become radiant. It's not because I choose to become radiant. It's not because I do something in order to make myself radiant. It's because as I'm in God's presence, he changes me. He makes me radiant. If you remember Moses, he'd go into the tent of meeting and he'd come out and everybody, you know, back up, Moses. Your face is too bright. This is intimidating. Moses didn't do that. It happened as he spent time with the Creator God. We become radiant as we spend time seeking out 
and spending it with Creator God in pursuit of His Son, in pursuit of holiness and obedience to the high calling He has placed on our lives. God saves the desperate ones who cry out to him. And David is encouraging these folks, these these wild men around him to trust God with their lives. To trust God's provision and his protection. Verse 8 through 10, if most folks hear, oh, Psalm 34, and then they know, well, taste and see. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come and worship with me. Come on, fellas, join with me in this. Taste and see. Try it. You'll like it. You won't be disappointed. God does not disappoint. Consider it carefully. And then I don't know, maybe it's because I just got through teaching a Sunday school class in in Daniel with Ted, but I read verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hunger, and I I wonder if Daniel was praying that they would some 500 years later when he spent that night in the lion's den. But Dan said, even the lions, considered the the king of the jungle, you know, the, the strongest of the predators, even they go without. But those who trust God, they won't. God will meet their needs. God will provide. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. This is how it happens. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I, I, seek peace and pursue it. You've got 400 guys here Fighting men, honorary. Maybe you've been blessed with friends like that. Maybe you've been that friend. Doesn't mind a good scrap. He doesn't mind getting their nose maybe where it didn't belong, getting it bent over. These are guys looking for a fight. They've been put upon. They're desperate. They're indebted. They're bitter in soul. They don't shy from it. And here is David. This is the fear of the Lord, is to seek peace and pursue it. Not everything has to be a fight. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. You can only imagine. You got 400 guys here fighting men. It's a rough bunch. It's an earthy bunch. I dare say the language used most of the time would have, well, that would have been what you hear every day. 
or worse. And David is teaching them, this is what it means to fear the Lord. Guard your mouth. Watch what comes out of it. Turn from evil and do good. He's got 400 men that have made a lifetime, however long that had been, of turning from good and pursuing evil in many cases. It's like, no, no, no. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Learn to fear him. Turn from evil. Do what is good. And why would we do that? Verse 15. The, face, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Obedience brings blessing and inner peace. Disobedience brings hardship and discontent. And even when we are disobedient and we don't know it, we're disobedient out of ignorance because we break God's law and his commands, there's the discontent. There's the uneasiness, there's the anxiety that comes with it simply because I am breaking God's law. I may not know it, but it's there. And so learn it so that I can obey it and I can willfully obey rather than ignorantly disobey. Verse 17 and 18, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He's got 400 wild men that can relate to this. Wow. They've already found a place of belonging. They've already found a leader, one that knows and understands. And he's pointing them back to God Almighty, the creator, Yahweh, who hears their cries for help, who's already in the process of answering their cries for help and bringing them to where they are. These men surrounding David, they knew brokenness. They knew fear. They knew want. They now had a choice. They could continue to harden their hearts in bitterness. They could continue to play the victim and victimize others. They could rationalize away their sin. Or they could humble themselves. They could allow God to save them. They could allow God to be their God. They could learn to fear him and obey him and honor them with their lips and with their lives. And unless you think this is all turn to Jesus, turn to God, and everything's going to be rosy, Everything will be perfect. Everything will be better. David says, but whoa, 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 whoa. Know this. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. 
The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Obedience doesn't make us immune to hardship. Obedience doesn't make us immune to hurt or pain or or death or suffering. Every one of us in the room could tell the stories of what we've endured, what our loved ones have endured. Obedience doesn't make us immune. But it does give us hope. Evil will eventually destroy the evildoer. They will destroy themselves in the process. But none who trust in Yahweh will be condemned. Romans 8 verse 1. John 3.18, there's no condemnation in Christ. His finished work on the cross brings freedom. His finished work on the cross removes the judgment which we deserve. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Not saved from trouble, Not saved from affliction, but saved from judgment. None of those who trust in Yahweh will be condemned. David is gathered around him 400 desperate, bitter, hardened individuals. And he's teaching them. He's shepherding them. He's doing the work of an evangelist, caring for their souls, encouraging them to follow the one true God, to live lives of obedience to the one true God. We go back to verse 18 and verse 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's when you go back to verse 8 and say, See, taste and see that the Lord is good, experience his goodness. Experience his deliverance. Experience his nearness and his presence in your time of greatest hurt and greatest need. Humble yourself. Repent and allow God's grace to be evidence in your life, in your speech, in your heart, and in your mind. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to Bethesda Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can find us online by visiting our website at www.bethesdahuron.com or you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Bethesda Huron.